acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey everyone, I'm Brian Austin Green. I'm Shauna Burgess. And I'm Randy Spelling. And you are listening to Oldish, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hello, everybody. Happy. Hello? Hi. Hello, are, are you, you there? there? Anyone? Is anybody here? <laughs> Hi everyone. This is Brian. Uh, I'm I'm here with Sharna and Randy, and this is another episode of Oldish. And we're super excited about this one. We have an amazing guest on the episode, and and we can't wait to get in and talk with her. But I think before we do that, how was everybody's week? It's prepping for Christmas, right? Yeah, it's prepping for yeah. Christmas. We have just so we talked about our digital detox that we did that we've been doing. We talked about that last episode. And so we just now have started to reintroduce screens. By the way, this has come up with the kids. And last night we made the plan together and they have four days a week where they can have one hour. That's Tuesdays, Thursdays, and then Saturday, Sunday, they get one hour of their device. And then it's a week on week off. So for a week, they get that. Then it's a week off, week on week off. And how excited they were to just have their screens back and so grateful for any amount of time instead of complaints about like, oh, that's not enough. It was so refreshing and what wonderful. was amazing too was hearing from them their excitement of like, hey, this is really cool. Like to look forward to having these little bits of game time that we have instead of playing on them all the time. It makes it more of an event and a little more fun for them instead yeah. of just they're they're on playing or they're watching TV all the time. Yeah. So very, very successful digital detox as a family. And I just wanted to follow up with that in case anyone's considering doing it. It was an amazing move for us. It sounds like it was excellent for the kids. And what about for you two? Did you two get a chance to detox a little bit as well? It's been harder because of so much work on my phone. But what I did do is curate my Instagram dramatically. Like I, I saw that. I saw you wrote that. Yeah. I So I follow like 700 and something accounts. And sometimes they serve me well and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're informative, whatever. But I went through and I cleaned out about 50 to 70 accounts that I no longer really interacted with. And then I- why you don't follow me anymore? I do follow you, Randy. You stop (laughs) that right now. I see you all over my feed. Um, But I curated. So what I did was I muted like 
probably nearly 80% of the accounts that I follow because I wanted a very specific feel and direction for me right now and where I'm headed. And Instagram can be distracting. So for me, that's how I've tried to detox um, and help myself in as far as my devices go. But And so far that has been really helpful for me too. Yeah, it's been great. Detoxing has been, it's been amazing for the family. We've been doing a lot more things together. Yeah, it has. Randy, how was your week? My week was really good. Yeah, it's been, it feels all things holiday. A lot of my clients have brought in, whether it's gearing up for the holidays, looking at 2024 and laying out plans and strategies, not so much resolutions, but a real way of looking at intentionality, what they want out of Mm -hmm. the year. So I've been deep in that with people for the last week and it's been fun. It's sort of, you know, we talked about last episode, the the whole Lotus and the the death and the rebirth and every Mm -hmm. year is sort of a beautiful closing to open, closing Mm -hmm. to open. And I think it's important to intentionally close out the year I do this every year personally. I, uh, I I do this with my family and my daughters. We all write something uh, on a piece of paper is what we're letting go of this year, what we were thankful for, what was hard and challenging. And then we put that in the fire and let it burn. I and love then that. what we're bringing in and what we what we want so that's that really cool. can exist. So that's you're putting a beautiful ritual. Out there. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a really cool thing to do. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah, support that. We might we might uh just borrow that a little bit over here at the greenhouse. Please do. Yeah. yeah that's pretty special. So let's jump into the uh the episode a little bit. Christmas. Obviously, we've all been Christmas shopping, I'm assuming. Stressful. Wrapping oh, presents. Black Friday. Is it still oh. going? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Can it please? Because I wasn't as prepared as I needed to be for all those sales and I missed out on so much stuff. I could have saved so much money. Christmas is stressful though. This is a this is kind of a stressful, like it's exciting and it's fun, and you've got the energy of Christmas and all of that, and the the Christmas music and the tree, and, and you're decorating and you're doing all of that, and it's tons of fun. But it is incredibly stressful, also just financially. I think mm-hmm. I, I know for myself, you know, I'm constantly looking at, um, looking at purchases and I'm, I'm checking the credit card statements and I'm always looking to see sort of where my limit is and where I am within that. And, um, and it's a lot. Do you do that too? <laughs> I do. I I've, I've been doing that, especially over the past couple of days, I've been kind of going, going through and seeing, um, how much, how much I've got on the card, how much I've got left. Like what, you know, I've, I've been trying to sort of pace myself that way. Uh, but it's tough because there are certain things that you get into and it's like, uh, you know, there are certain presents that you really get excited about getting for someone. And then you start thinking of the cost of them and it's like, oh man, the cost is it's, I've got to figure out how to work this, mm-hmm. <laughs> like how yeah. to, what I'm going to have to cut back on in my own life to make this happen, because I really want this to happen. So, Do you ever um, notice your heart rate as you're looking at those statements as it's opening oh, and you're like, okay, Jesus. is it good? Absolutely. Is it bad? And you're holding your breath waiting to see? Absolutely. Absolutely. It drives, it, it's there. There's sometimes where I'm laying in bed kind of at night before I fall asleep and I'm think, like, I'm thinking about those things and the numbers that I've seen. And I'm kind of trying to crunch all of that in my head and do a little math, which math wasn't 
a, a strong subject for me anyway, let alone doing math at 1030 at night, you know, when the I'm worst like, time to do when this, I'm stressed. Right? Oh, forget it. Well, let's, this is why I'm so excited to have our guest on today. We could talk to her all about this. I'm sure she is going to hopefully solve all of our problems. I just want to say though, before jumping in and inviting her on, this is one of the hardest subjects to talk about. So this could be triggering for people. This could be something that is kind of hard. It's like sex and money are the two things that are so hard to talk about. So take a deep breath, settle in. Grab a cup of tea if you can, because we're going to do this from a heart-centered place, and we're discussing this to help all of us to feel better about the conversation of money. Mm -hmm. Mm. Absolutely. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step, and you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know what. God, if you show me, God, if you tell me, God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women. And this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Our guest today is an incredible woman. She's known for being an American news anchor on CNBC, CNN, other shows as well. She is also a New York Times best-selling author of Rich Bitch and Boss Bitch. She is an incredible woman that also has her own money rehab podcast with just bite-sized bits of information to help you through. It is an honor to have her with us today, Miss Nicole Lappin. Hey. Hey, Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Hi. Our dogs are saying hi as well. (laughs) We have little dogs that literally bark every time we say hello because they think somebody has shown up at our house. Yes, it is a fact. So if you hear dogs barking. So Penny's in good company. Yes. My little pup that does the same thing. Cool. Same exact thing, huh? And her name is very on brand. Penny. It is. I was about to like, say, look at that. Get to work, bitch. Like you get free rent. Right. Come on now. This barking is accomplishing nothing. You got a good <laughs> life. <laughs> so Nicole, we are so excited to have you on. Thank you. We have a lot of questions for you. I mean, where do we start here? Nicole, 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 this, this time of year, this holiday, I, uh, it's unbelievable the levels of stress that can come from the spending that so we much. have to do for for presents and for the kids. I mean, we have four young kids here at the house. And so uh, this holiday is, I was just saying, as beautiful as it is, having a tree and the Christmas music and all the stuff playing, and you walk into a store and it's all the lights and all the things Oh my God, I get so stressed out. All I mean, the lights we were... and all the things are pricey, Brian. Oh, mm-hmm. are they ever? So I don't have a typical job in the sense of I have like a nine to five weekly income that I can count on. Mm. I work, I make a good chunk of money, I put it in my accounts, and then I'm spending it until I work on the next thing that I'm, that I'm working on. So it's sort of, I kind of... I get a feeling of almost working, uh, living paycheck to paycheck, Mm. which is a nightmare to deal with. And especially during holidays like this, when work is slow, when, when people are at home and you're around your, your kids and your family, and you're supposed to be doing those things for fun. I have historically been terrible with money. Um, I just have a terrible relationship with it. I don't really respect it the way that I should. I don't think I tend to overspend. I tend to enjoy things a little too much. And then the end of the month is coming and, and credit card bills are coming in and I pay the price for it. I'm um, sure no well, one I hope you pay. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, do. listen, the first step to any recovery is admitting you have a problem. So there you go. We all have issues and traumas when it comes to money. And the only money problem you can't fix is the one you don't admit you have. So there you go. Mazel tov. Okay. Thank you. Say, my name is Brian and I have a problem. Yes. Okay. My name is Brian and I have a a problem with, with spending money. So what's step two? Step two is addressing the problem. And we all have different problems, right? And understanding where that comes from. So like, we can double click on that if you want. Where does that stem? Does it come from watching your parents spend a bunch of money or get into debt? Does it come from 
you know, other traumas, macroeconomic traumas that, you know, I remember growing up, uh, I'm also old-ish, during the dot-com bubble and the housing crisis, and I saw my family's house get foreclosed on. And so that, like, impacts Mm. how I deal with money or what I think about buying a house, right? Mm. And so I think identifying what that is, or your friend group, too, if you watched your friends hide things from their spouses or get into debt or take a lot of vacations or you know, save too much. Both ends of the spectrum are not great. So the sweet spot is between thinking you're going to live forever and thinking you're going to die tomorrow. And oftentimes we hang out it's on a, one it's a of those. Pretty broad area, Nicole. Right? <laughs> like, there's a lot spot. of room for for mistake within within that. I'm going to die tomorrow. I'm going to live forever. How does a person that's like Bry? So I think this is a really relatable thing, right? Someone that just kind of spends maybe outside of their means or they, you know, are that paycheck to paycheck because things are tough or whatever their relationship is with that. How does someone take their first steps towards budgeting if it's never been a skill that they've had? How do you approach that? I never had this skill either. So I grew up in an immigrant family. One of my first memories of money is like, bailing my mother out of jail with cash underneath the sink behind the maxi pads. Like, so that shit is heavy and real. And like Mm -hmm. that impacts the scarcity mindset and thinking no matter what's in my bank account, that I'm going to end up dying broke alone and homeless in the gutter. Um, But none of us learn this stuff in school, which is completely bananas to me. Brian, you said you have four kids, right? So it's incumbent on parents to teach their kids, but truly like we don't learn it in school. We often don't learn it in home if you're like my family. And so, yeah. And there's a lot of shame around that, right? Like I figured out harder things in life. And so when I got into debt myself, I figured out how to get out of it the hard way. And what I did was to break it down into baby steps. And so anything overwhelming is better broken down into steps and then littler steps uh, from there. All of my books are 12-step plans because the first step is admitting you have a problem and also because all of those- So I, so I really have achieved something today. You did. <laughs> all right. Fantastic. Step Good. one down. <laughs> one check. Yeah. See, I grew up in a household where we were very- middle class. I mean, my my parents were really good at saving. My dad was very frugal, but I wasn't ever taught any of the steps of how to do it. It was just sort of done for me. My my mother was my business manager. My father was my manager for the younger part of my career. So as I was making money and it was going into accounts, I didn't, I had no idea what was happening where. And then at the point when I got old enough and I was like, I really want to find a business manager and a manager that are outside of family that, you know, I need someone to take the next step. I had no idea what I was doing. And I, and I saw the money that, that I had in accounts uh, from working for so long. And I was like, oh man, I can get all sorts of stuff. (laughs) And so, and so I did. And then you, you watch this, you know, these accounts that you built slowly start to dwindle away. And now it's, it's it's like chasing. I'm I'm constantly trying to fill them back up, you know, and and then they dwindle away, and then I I hopefully fill them back up before it all goes away. And it's like so I'm constantly uh, fighting that, and it's a nightmare. It's yeah. it's unbelievable. It sucks how that it's happens? Unbelievable. Um, unbelievably stressful. 
Well, I think it's coming up with a plan that takes some of that stress away. And I think that there's a balance between forgiving your former self for what he or she didn't know, and then Mm -hmm. giving your future self a little tough love and saying like, that's not okay moving forward. I learned this uh, in dialectical behavioral therapy, which has nothing to do with money, but like DBT has helped me in lots of mental health ways. But it's that idea of both things can be true at the same time. Like your former self could have been you know, clueless or made all of these mistakes. And that's fine. And that's okay. Let's forgive younger Brian. Okay. Shall we? Yeah, Thank let's you. forgive him. And okay. like then older Brian, it's not okay. Cause now you have the tools, right? And now you have a family. And, and so now it's like, just because it was done a certain way, doesn't mean that's the way it needs to be done. And you're in charge now. So let's put our big girl and boy pants on. And say like, yeah, and you have kids and, you know, the best way to teach your kids about money is not like sitting down with them with a book, although that's a great way too. but they're watching everything you're doing. Like they're watching what your behaviors are. And so Mm -hmm. the best way to influence your kids to become financially literate. And I get this Mm -hmm. question all the time. It's like, well, look in the mirror. Are are you Mm -hmm. financially literate? Are you leading by example or are you right now? I've seen this argument before as far as like when you have kids some people are big on oh you get them a debit card like you start that way and then some people are completely against that concept they're like oh don't do a debit card if you were in my shoes with four young kids what would be a good starting tool for you with kids with finance and with money how old are they uh, 11, nine, seven and 18 months. So the 18 month old, he's okay. But the, but the 11, nine and seven yeah. year old, they are at a point now where they're trying to save money and they're trying to save up for things. And we'll, we'll do little things like visa gift cards for things. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of save that way. But I know, you know, I know some people are really against, uh, debit and would much rather do credit or much rather set up bank accounts or there. I know there are a bunch of different thoughts that way. What are yours? Yeah, I think it's never too early to start helping your kids get credit or even starting retirement accounts really early. Like a lot of these investments, think about this beauty of compound interest. We've often seen it used against us in the financial system when it comes to credit card debt. But that same force of compound interest can be used in our favor to help grow our money literally while we're sleeping if it's set up in the right way. And you can do the very same thing for your kids. Uh, Do they get an allowance or do the older ones get one? They do. So they, they don't necessarily get an allowance. They work on more of a chore system. They, they earn money uh, by doing chores around the house. So we're, we're trying to teach them you work and then you get paid for it, you know, kind of, kind of that way, instead of just handing them money. So the jury's out on that one, because there is this school of thought that doing chores is just part of living in a household and everybody contributes. And so maybe think about like a sliding scale idea where uh, depending on what they do or how they negotiate, this is how to start raising young entrepreneurs, even have them negotiate their Mm. allowance. Interesting. Like say, Hey, that's an interesting thought. I've never thought about that. Yeah. Elaborate well, on that. How well, we, we can role play if you want, but it's like, okay, you know, dad, uh, you know, but you saw me, like I got an A on this paper, you know, instead of five bucks, like I think I deserve seven bucks or I think I deserve 10 and like have it as an active negotiation. So you're teaching your kids some of these skills really early on. Ah. Oh, interesting. 
Good for them. I would That's never right. have thought that. I'd be like, what do you mean you want? You'll get five. Thank you so much. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You want to get paid for that? What right. You totally. You get paid That's for just what a. you do. My child will be rich. I'll be completely broke. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're they're really good at getting what they want from us. So yeah. we may end up broke. Well, I don't know if this is right or not, but something that we've done for a few years now is we went old school and tactile. So I got a sheet and I drew lines with a ruler on it. And we put different sort of like an Excel spreadsheet, but handwritten. And it was $5 a week and, and one automatically goes into giving. So they would have to sit and write out, you know, $1. I'm left with $4. I sweeten the deal by giving them 14% interest if they put it in savings. Damn, can I invest? In bank I know. Landing. I know. Now it's getting to the point because <laughs> a, a awesome. few weeks ago, so they could put it into invest. And I really wanted to show them, hey, this is worth it. And then put it into save. If they take mm -hmm. out of invest, they have to pay a hefty fee. I'm cool. trying to teach them about this, but my youngest the other day really wanted to get a certain something. And she's been saving up a lot of money. And she said, okay, so let's do the math. So I started doing the compounding interest. And I'm kicking myself. I'm thinking, I can't afford to keep this up. <laughs> right, after yeah, this is, years. right. And then she asked me, she said, can I put it all in invest and just keep going? My girl. Right. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Talk great. about start, starting them young. It's it's really impressive. And it's, it's helpful to introduce those concepts young. Uh, I like breaking it down into save, spend, share. Like if you think of, you know, that charitable component too. Uh, and if they want to buy something extravagant, like it sounds like, you know, whatever extra she wanted to get, charging interest is is a cool example to also show how that works, like in the real world. And it's not just free money. Obviously, mm. you're not going to take the money that she gives you an interest and then maybe like take her out, get ice cream or something and like talk about it. But it's always really important to instill those concepts early just in like these types of little ways randy i think i think that's awesome it's also really cool to ask kids like how much stuff costs this is a fascinating discussion mm -hmm. like ask them how much a car costs it's so interesting <laughs> or right. like how much <laughs> a house costs right and so yeah. just even giving a ballpark because they have no idea and so you know you're able to to help them right out of the gate with stuff like that that's typically taboo. I just had this conversation with my nine-year-old the other day because he was like, I want to buy the house right next door to my friends. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, how, with what money, how, how much do you think homes cost? We had a whole conversation. Yeah. Yeah. How much did he think they cost? I don't think he did. <laughs> <laughs> he seemed, he seemed very like, ah, it's just what you just say that you're going to buy a house. And then it's just magically your house. Um, you know, I don't think he had a real concept of like, oh, you've got to have money in the bank and you have to get a loan for it. I, there's, he's nine. Although yeah. he should see what you're saying though, is that he should at nine, he should be learning about these things. I mean, in little ways, right? Like, you know, it doesn't have to be like sit down and gather around like the chalkboard right. children. <laughs> yes. um, although I do love like a, an OG, 
spreadsheet not spreadsheet randy i think that's like a that's a cool way to go um but yeah i think like some of these little things can totally be implemented as you go like whether they touch money through allowance or as you're buying stuff like explaining here's how much stuff costs like you know imagine if you're seeing a credit card for the first time right like you think it's magical like you just swipe this Mm -hmm. thing and it's like cool cool we got stuff yeah Um, it just gives you money yeah right yeah the kids have no concept of like, oh no, this is this is my money. I have to pay. They think you just get a card and it's just got like endless money on it and you just buy whatever you want. But honestly, yeah. like they're 10 now, but don't you remember during college times they had kiosks and like they give out, you know, crazy APR credit cards to college students. And you kind of felt the same thing then, even mm. though, you know, you were a decade older. Hmm. I honestly think I felt that way about money into my 20s. I came here, I started earning TV money. And for the first few years, I think I pretty much spent every dollar that I made because I just had no concept of it, no um, accountability. Uh, And it wasn't until I had a business manager come on my team and she was like, no, you're going to learn along with me as we do this because I cannot do this just for you. And it was the greatest thing that happened to me because I had no idea. And I, you know, I had my own experience as a kid with money. My dad definitely lived outside of his means and he liked to, I think, pretend that he had more than he did, you know, so it was always renting the big houses and doing the big things. But truly there was struggle behind all of that. And so I have an interesting relationship with money anyway. What is it, Sharna? That I love to spend it, but then I also get terrified of it not being there. Do you know what I mean? It's like I bounce between these two personalities of my mom and my dad. My mom, who is the flip side, who studied like accounting. (laughs) And then my dad, who just burnt money, burned hole in his pockets. And I absolutely have both of those traits in me. So I get into like when I'm feeling in moments of abundance, I'll like spend all the things and forget all the good work I'm doing and all the saving. And then suddenly I see it start to go down. And then I go into scarcity mode of like, oh my right. God, I can spend no more money, than, you right. know, X amount of time. And yeah, so Nicole, I'm, I'm the worst uh, that way. Like I'll get very serious for, for about a month and a half, two months of like, okay, I'm going to buckle down. I'm like really going to uh, watch what I spend and I'm really going to, you know, be aware of what's going out. And then I forget, and I and then I kind of go back to, I slide back into kind of the spending habits of I, um, just not really being conscious or aware of what it is that I'm doing. It's, it totally makes sense. I mean, think about all the vitamins you have. Like you think you're gonna eat that turmeric every day because right. you're just like. I'm on a kick. I'm on a health kick. And then I don't even know how many bottles of vitamins I have right now that are like, you know, just a little bit done from my three weeks of like being really gung ho about it. I think the same thing comes with money. Right. And if you look at it like a sustainable eating plan, that's why I think of a spending plan instead of a budget. Uh, It's the same thing, but you're using the words that feel sustainable instead of a crash diet. It's almost like reverse psychology. It's exactly right because you're allowing yourself small indulgences so you don't end up binging later on. So a lot of people do what you do, Brian, like especially in the beginning of the year, they'll say, hey, Nicole, I'll be, you know, right on track uh, because I cut out the morning latte. I cut everything out. I'm clipping coupons. I'm digging in the couch for coins or whatever. Like I've totally gone cold turkey. I'm really going to buckle down and like come, you know, April or May. Like, you'll be so proud of me. I, you know, did so well. I didn't buy a latte, but I 
but I got a Gucci purse because like I was doing so great. I'm like, right. Do you, like you could have got the latte every single day, allowed yourself, whatever that small indulgence is. So in the same way as like an eating plan, right? You allow yourself a Hershey's kiss. So you don't end up noshing on a big old hunk of chocolate cake in the middle of the night because you're so hungry and so deprived. Like those crash yeah. diets never work because you're starving, that. right? Yeah. That's what happened to you, Brian. Like you were starving. And so you binge, I'm sure. It's I, I like I went through a stage where I was like, you know, I'm just gonna like I'm really gonna focus on just using cash so I'm not paying an interest rate on on the credit card. And I'm like I really, I was really into it. And then forget it. <laughs> and then, then just less then into the cash it. went yeah. away and I was like, I'm not gonna bother going and getting more cash. I'm just gonna use this one. How about this? Because since it's Bri and I and we're obviously, you know, together and in a relationship and we're pretty open with each other and transparent about all the things. But money, I think, can be the number one stressor in relationships across the board for everybody. How to have those uncomfortable conversations with your loved one about maybe your circumstances or what you're witnessing with their circumstances. Well, what would you say is a a healthy relationship with money within your relationship? Like how much are you supposed to know about each other? You know, like what what's the boundaries there? Should we find out? <laughs> yes, ask him some questions. Wait, Nicole. you're gonna ask Let's guys? get into it. Sure. Oh boy. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't 
feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, Here we how go. much do you guys know? Well, it changes as you progress in your relationship, right? So like having yeah. the talk is a different talk when you're first moving in together because you want to know whose name the bills are going to be under, right? Because the person whose name the bills aren't in is not accumulating credit, for instance. Not fun, sexy conversations, right. but important right. adult oldish conversations nonetheless then when you have kids you know you have to talk about a will do you guys have a will uh an advanced directive uh these are again like not super fun sexy conversations but important nonetheless so like as your relationship progresses and you know as you get married you get a prenup uh if you're married and you're having issues you get a postnup how much of that i didn't even hear about a postnup we actually have never talked about a prenup no, we so the re, the way that we met is because we have the same business manager, so that ended up working out really well for us because she handles well all of our stuff. But we, I know as how do I say this? What I know about Bry is what we share together. So we have our our shared account and our shared funds, and all of that goes to Life Kids House. And then Bry has his life and stuff and money. And I don't try and peek in or know anything about that because that's his to spend and own and have. I think that's part of his individuality, his independence, you know, him. And I have mine. And we only really talk about what we have and what we need for what we contribute together. Is that that's kind of right, right, baby? How I think else the reality is, I think the reality is though, like those the the limits in knowing will grow and change the longer we're together and the more things are are coming. I mean, we've we just recently bought a house together. Mm-hmm. So we decided that we're going to have a, a an account like a fund together so when there are any things that we want to do within the house, any things uh in in regards to that, we both discuss those things and and we and it all comes out of the the shared account that way. But I mean, I have no I have no issue as as a relationship progresses um, putting more things together. Uh, I don't really have. I'm not really like hiding behind any sort of. No, I don't think either of us that are. way. No. But what what do you think are healthy boundaries? Like, what would you set up with your significant other as far as how you would function? With yeah, finances, I mean, yeah. financial infidelity is real. So financial infidelity is, you know, hiding stuff, hiding debt, hiding other like financial skeletons. And so yeah. that's often a big cause of rifts in relationships and divorces. I would think that a yours, mine and ours is a good structure to set up, you know, a household if you guys are living together and getting married. Uh, the question is like, how do you guys determine what goes in the hours account? It's a good question. Up until this point, it's just been like a percentage, I think, of what it is we've we we make that goes in. Yeah. That account. Yeah. 
That's good because, you know, if one person makes a bunch more, then it's going to feel weighted uh, Mm -hmm. if somebody makes less. Right. So for easy math, if somebody makes 10 grand a year and somebody makes 100 grand a year, like putting $5,000 in there is going to feel a lot different to both of those people. But if you decide to put like 20 percent of what you're bringing in, it's probably precarious because it doesn't sound like you guys are making consistent income. So do you determine industry over the year? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of dependent on month to month, like what's coming in. It's just, that's the industry that we're in. It's not consistent. We, I thrive and say, you know, I wish there was a nine to five version of this industry where you could depend on it, but it isn't. So I feel like it's whatever is coming in, a percentage of that goes into it. And do you guys do that? Or do you have the business manager do that? Or your business manager. Or do you see it? Or do you know what it is that's going in each of you? Sometimes. (laughs) I I would love to say all the time. Sometimes things are just sort of uh, coming in and going out and we have no idea. I just know I'm going to work and making money. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But sometimes it, you know, it splits up in different ways. Get after him, Randy. Yeah. I, well, I because this is something for me. I I grew up um, with a lot of opulence, and my family had yeah. a lot of money. But we also didn't talk about it either. It was just something that was there. Mm-hmm. And I had a business manager, and I remember when I was eighteen, it's like everything just switched over, and no longer was there the parents' credit card that I could take mm-hmm. for dinners. It was just okay. It's now it's this is yours and your responsibility. And I remember Mm -hmm. once a year I'd have these meetings with the business manager. They would go over it. I wouldn't understand anything, but I'd shake my head and I'd see facts and figures and get some sort of idea. And then when I started really paying attention and doing more things myself, I had to take account. I I mean, running my own business profits and losses, seeing what's going out, seeing what's coming in. And it sucks to look at. I, 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 There's never a time where I'm like, this is the sexiest, most fun thing. I can't wait to watch what I'm spending. But if you don't know it, A, it's impossible to talk about, but I feel like it creates all of this angst because it's either there or not there without fully understanding. It's like, it's hard to create a spending plan mm-hmm. without knowing. Right. Right. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's exactly right. Or if God forbid, like something happened, I'm sure they're at a firm or whatever, and somebody else is going to have access, but like, God forbid something happened to that person, you know, and oftentimes like a lot of listeners are not going to have the the same business manager. They're going to have one of the significant others dealing with the bills or dealing with the accounts or something like that. And God forbid something happens to that person. Do they know where the keys to the queendom uh, are, right? Right. Like, do they have a file of like, in case shit goes wrong, here's where everything is. Like, here's how you can get into all of the accounts. And so oftentimes women want to get their financial lives together, not proactively and just like a diagnosis, it's hard to proactively do that, but reactively after they get divorced or after you know, their husband dies because they have no other choice. And so that's Mm -hmm. my big thing is to try to get in front of that. It's not like if something bad happens, it's unfortunately it's when something bad happens so that, you know, you don't get screwed. And to Randy's point, like just because somebody is handling it doesn't mean like you can put your blinders on and not know where those things are going or what's happening there. Are you hands-on with all of your, your finances? I'm assuming that you are. Oh, me oh. or Randy? Or both, both? both of you, Nicole and Randy. I would imagine yes. Yes. 
I mean, enough. Like I empower uh, a team as well, but if something happened to that team, I would know where things are going. Or like I set up a system to set it and forget it where I'm not sitting around like looking at stock charts all day long, but I've come up with the plan of, you know, where things go to investments. I wish I could invest in, you know, the brokerage of <laughs> Randy <laughs> because that return is amazing. But like, you know, it, when you're investing, there's a thing called dollar cost averaging, which is just fancy Wall Street jargon for like you put a little bit of money in at certain increments so that you can safeguard from buying, uh, you know, this adage of buy low, sell high, right? Like you just don't know where the low is and you don't know where the high is. So in order to mitigate that, you buy at certain times, like certain increments. So like over time, you're getting the average of where investments are. And so that's just an example of a plan to like set it and forget it or putting money, putting a percentage into an emergency fund regularly. So you don't see it coming out of your paycheck. Mm -hmm. If you do have a regular paycheck uh, to try to set up, you know, three to six months of savings savings in the bank. Uh, and until that's full, you you come up with rules of like where things can go or you create sub savings accounts, you know, for the holidays, this is a good idea. Uh, if you want to create within your banking portal, like holiday savings or holiday spending or whatever. So you're like naming your savings and naming your goals, which sounds a little woo woo and silly, but a lot of finance is so uh, so much of a mindfuck, honestly, whether you have money, whether you don't have money, it's a mindfuck. Mm -hmm. And so right. to get yeah. through that, you want to try and safeguard yourself from yourself by setting up these rules in advance and then also naming it so you know where it's going and you can visualize those goals. So it's not going into like this deep, dark abyss. You have taxes, you have other stuff coming out. And so it's hard to like motivate yourself to get uh, a holiday fund or get, you know, a kid's college fund or anything else. So naming those is, is something that is quite helpful. Mm -hmm. So question for you, if, if I didn't understand any money talk at all, I mean, one of the things I love about you, Nicole, is I feel like you have the gift to talk to anyone at any level and they can understand it. I also love how much sort of mental health, self-help you bring into money because they are so closely related. So for someone who just heard what you said and it was overwhelming and they like, uh, uh, do I name something? Could you give one yeah. example of what that would actually look like broken down so someone could do that perhaps for a holiday fund or a trip that they really want to take? Yeah, for sure. And thank you. I think the biggest impediment to getting your financial life together, whether you're single or you're with somebody else, which adds a whole lot other layer of complexity is the jargon, right? And so when I first got into anything money related, I thought it was all gibberish. Um, I grew up, like I said, um, immigrant family, never talked about any money besides using cash. I didn't know what a mortgage was until I went to college. Uh, I started on the floor of the Merck in Chicago, which I thought was a mall at the time because I didn't know. Like my boyfriend in high school said he wanted to be a hedge fund manager. I thought he wanted to be in gardening. So like when I tell you that if I could do it, I promise anyone can do it. It is a language just like anything else. And, you know, Randy, we don't have a Rosetta Stone for this language growing up. But like if you go to Japan and you don't speak Japanese, you'll be really confused. If you go to Wall Street and you don't speak money, you'll be really confused until you speak the language. And then it becomes way less intimidating. So in the back of all of my books, I rewrite 
you know, financial dictionaries that you don't need a dictionary to understand. This is why, you know, I'm a stone's throw away from 40 and still single. I don't know because I rewrite financial dictionaries on my free time. Um, but I think it's important to, to break that down. And so when you're first getting started looking at that spending plan, I like to break it down into the three E's. So essentials, end game, and extras, where 70% of your overall take home pay goes to the essentials. So your food, your housing, your transportation, all that stuff. 15% goes to the end game. So future Randy, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, what are your investments? What are your retirement? What is your trip to Mexico fund? All of that. And then 15% to the extras. So allowing yourself those small indulgences, whether it's a latte or a mani pedi or a, or whatever, like making sure that that's above board and that you're accounting for that so that you don't end up binging later on. So I started actually as a poetry major. So again, I didn't study this stuff in school. Like I use a lot of alliteration because I became a writer, just not the kind that I expected. And, uh, and, and, and it helps me remember it. So like, I have the three F's, I have the three E's, I have like prioritized to pulverize. I don't know. I just looked at this with fresh eyes and, you know, I, I went to college and never learned a single personal finance class, which is completely bananas to me that we'll learn like macroeconomic BS and, and in, you know, grade school, like how to dissect a frog. I don't even know if they still do that these days. I think that might be I wrong. Think they do. do they? Anatomy. I think, I think that's, yeah, I think that is like that, that is a Biology. tried and true. That's, that's in the stay. Yeah. Or like the Pythagorean theorem, all of these things, who needs to know that? How to do your taxes would have been way more helpful. How to do a business plan or, you know, how to create a budget would have been more helpful. So I would say if you're just starting out that is a good rubric. That is a good rule of thumb. And ultimately it's not what you make and you guys have all made a lot of money. It's what you keep that matters. No, I don't want to hear this. I know. I know. I, I know. seriously, when I hear that, there's such a shit, like my whole body is like, <laughs> right. Ah, why Damn can't it. I just want to make more because in some ways that seems easier to make more somehow than it is to save more. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, but guess that. what? You're never as young as you are today. And so as far as I'm concerned, today is as good a day as any to start trying to keep more of that money than you're making. So okay. like you say shit Damn because- Nicole, that was a good fucking quote. We're going to have to <laughs> use that one. That's a mic drop, Nicole. Yeah. You're never, young <laughs> you're never as young as you are today. Yeah. So might as well oh, start Jesus. saving today. Because yeah. you say shit like you're mad at your former self, right? Like you wish you would have started earlier to take advantage of the beautiful, gorgeous, amazing force of compound interest that would have made your money, you know, work for you. Yeah, it sucks. Like I also wish I, I would have, you know, worked out five days a week for, right. you know, all of Nicole, my it's really I also The wish fucking <laughs> stigma that comes with it, though, it's really embarrassing. Like for me at 50 to realize like, God, I have so much to learn seems fucking insane. I'm yeah, there's a lot of old. shame in it, right? Yeah, Do but you what about when you're people? 60 years old? Is there going to be more shame? Probably. Yes. So like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> today is the day, guys. Yeah. Okay, everyone. Everyone who's listening. Today, Today is, the is the day. We're all in this together. We're all going to start to feel more empowered to take back some control and ownership over our choices, right? Yeah. Right. And have you guys talked about a will, a prenup? Oh, like, I was going to ask this. I, 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 no, I didn't forget that part. I was so, 
So I have I have a will. I mean, I'm constantly having to change it and and update it and all of that based on I mean, now we have an, a new child and and so my ex-wife, her name will come off obviously from some things, but I still need to have things in there for for the kids that I have with her. So it's Ryan, a, you have a complicated one. I do. <laughs> Just saying. A lot I have of people a very, involved, you know? I have a very complicated uh will situation. Living trust. Yeah. There you go. No, we haven't had that conversation actually. Um, we're probably around like two years away from the actual wedding just because we have so much going on and just that feels like more of a right time for us. How but do you I feel think- about prenups, Nicole? I mean, is that? Oh, I thought that you were asking me for a second. I was like, oh, yeah. how do you feel? Baby, about how do you prenups? feel about prenups? No, I, I'm out of this conversation. You guys talk about it. It's very voyeuristic. How do I? All right. So, uh, I don't I'll, know. I'll tell you. I don't... You tell me first. Okay. I, so I would have no problem signing one or having one or not. Honestly, I always try and be as fair in a situation as possible. So if God forbid anything happened and Sharon and I didn't end up together, we have a child together. So I like, I want her life and his life to be as incredibly comfortable as it can be. So there's, I don't, I don't really have any tie-ups or issues with money, but it's, but I'm sure a lot of that happens has to do with the fact that I'm not financially super responsible. So I, you know, I don't, I don't have as much skin in the game. I haven't worked so hard to build something to then see it go if if something didn't work. So I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm a 50 year old with with a bad sense of it. I guess I don't know. Stop it. Stop talking about my new friend like that. You're not bad like at it. You just were. And now you're going to be better. I am going to be better. Yeah. Yes. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you 
every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi, Layla Hermosi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sharda, how do you feel about prenups? You know, it's honestly something I've never even thought about. I don't think I have an issue with them. I certainly wouldn't feel offended, right? If Bri came to me as like, hey, I think we should have one, I wouldn't feel like, wait, what do you mean? That's I would be totally open to it. I don't know what goes in them. I don't know the nuances of them. I don't even really know how they work other than, you know, you set terms for what happens when or if you guys don't make it. So I don't really know how to have an opinion. Um, Or at least I don't know what I would put in one if we were to have one that I'm open to having. Does that make sense? Well, you could put whatever you want in it. It's it's your document. It's like an insurance policy, right? Like you don't think you're going to get into a car accident when you get car insurance or any other kind of insurance. Right. But like Mm. people are marrying later and you have your own assets, Sharna. And this is really interesting because both of you talked about it as if like, Brian was going to ask you to do it, but you made your own money, sister. And this is oftentimes what women are like, oh, he's making me sign a prenup. I'm like, no, woman, you have your prenup ready to go because you have assets and you have your own things. And by the way, it protects you against somebody else's debt. It's really helpful when other kids are involved or family Mm. money is involved. Basically, you get to decide compared to the state what ends up happening in your personal matters. And I like that. I didn't think of it that way that you decide what happens instead of the state deciding, because that feels like something that I would want. I would want for us to decide things as opposed to people that don't know us and know our family or our, our nuances, you know? Well, and that's the whole idea too about having a will or living will and trust is that if you don't have one, it either goes to probate, goes through the state or government, then they figure out what to do. And it, yeah, it's a nightmare. I'm so curious, Nicole, if you have, because you seem to take the association from words that people have that are negative and and switch the word or change the word into something that feels more doable, more palatable. Prenup, I think, has an awful stigma. We've seen it in media. We've seen it in movies. You hear prenup and automatically it's this, oh, this is against me. It's it's very one-sided versus, no, it's it's a pre-wedding agreement. Mm -hmm. So- is there another word that we could change this to that would make it more palatable for people? That's a great question. Let's come up with one together. Okay. 
crickets <laughs> yeah, everyone's like let's um, come up with one no one says anything and <laughs> no one has words uh... <laughs> partnership financial agreement sure pfa pfas yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh... i feel like it has to have some sort of like sexy thing sometimes when people ask me about having these discussions i just say like get naked <laughs> have a naked financial discussion it makes I it easier that. I does that know. actually go well so i think it's important <laughs> to take out like this idea that you're in an interrogation or you're in an irs audit for these types of chats because really the core of it is that you're talking about your life together your hopes and your dreams how you want to spend money how you want to live like how you want to take on the world together uh, right. And so reframing that is is really, really important. So uh, my homework is to think of a better name for prenup and it has to have like sort of a double entendre vibe. OK, I'm going to I'm going to marinate on that. But, yeah, you're going to. But then get back to us because, yeah, the pressure is on know. now. For you sure. Like expect, we're expecting an answer from you, Nicole, <laughs> at some point. We'll Pre give you a week. How about that? We give you a week's time. <laughs> To come oh. up with something fantastic <laughs> that uh, that just takes the globe by storm. <laughs> I'm on it. No, no, right. no but no pressure. No pressure at all. <laughs> I'm on it. And so are you guys going to sign one? I guess we really need to we, talk we about it. It sounds like we should. It sounds like I mean, we should. But it, it does make like, sense. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like a, because like Randy said, it gets this negative tone around it because of just, you know, the way it's been portrayed in media or movies. Yeah. I always there's had nothing a thought negative of like, about it. I always had a thought of like a prenup is like, it's, you know, it, I it, don't trust you. It's like impending it's like, doom. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like, this isn't actually going to last. So right. let's, exactly. for when it doesn't last, you know, let's make sure that, that I'm safe and whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and Okay. I think I came up with something. All right. How about like financial foreplay? Oh, because it Ooh. is the pre like it's the pre <laughs> very <laughs> clever. Play. It's a du double on like that. Ooh. All right. I'm, it's it's a working title. I like financial it. Financial foreplay. I'm going to take that to our business manager and be like, so we're going to do some financial foreplay <laughs> <Yeah>. discussions. <laughs> are you in? We're here for our financial foreplay. Lori, how are you feeling today? Lori will be like, wow, I um, when I introduced you guys, this was not what I was expecting. <laughs> Oh, but amazing. you're you're having like this discussion about what your assets are, what your liabilities are. And I think all of that stuff is important to stave off issues down the road. You know, the financial infidelity comes from this idea that you don't have the information. And so, you know, what is whose fault is it if you don't have the information, the person who didn't give the information or the one that didn't ask? For the information. I wish that there was some sort of financial foreplay coach or mediator because lawyers are terrible right. at that. It seems very sided. It seems like something that really pits two people against each other because you are going through all the possibilities of when you're not together. And even entertaining that puts your mind in a place where you're imagining these scenarios. So Randy, having do some, you and your wife have a prenup? Yes. And we ended up doing something that is just very much like equal thing. Right. It it, it was it. it was a lot of conjecture and a lot of roundabout to get to something that's like, you know what, 
let, let's just land here. But what it did do was it put us front and center with having to answer a lot of questions and get information that we otherwise would never have talked about, never discussed. And there was some tension around it. It, it was stressful. Same mm -hmm. thing with doing a will some of the questions that they ask and what happens if your partner's not here and then you know they get remarried and then that partner's terrible and then they take the money and you know don't give the kids any I mean all these things that you have to entertain there are likelihoods or possibilities and having to look at that and make decisions is tricky but if 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 there could be some sort of I don't know, less tense way to do that because I've worked with a lot of couples who are either going through a prenup or who never had one and are getting divorced. And you hear this all the time. It becomes so ugly. The, the lamp that was bought together that no one cared about, then there is war over that lamp because it's a power struggle. And that sucks, especially when there's kids involved. Right. For sure. I think that you were really smart to, to figure this out, even though it's uncomfortable. I mean, it's the same thing as if you're going through a fertility process, you have to answer all these questions of like, what happens if one person dies? Like, then where do the embryos go? And like, all of these things are super not fun, exciting conversations, but there's so much guilt and shame and like trauma surrounding money that it's important to have these chats like, from the jump, right? Like it's the most intimate conversation you can possibly have. I think about, think about just this conversation. Like it's, it's uncomfortable too, right? Yeah. Like you go to dinner with your girlfriends, Sharna, and like, you know, we're talking about everything at dinner with our girlfriends, right? Like sexy time, yeah. bikini waxes, all the things like nothing is held back but then as soon right. as I come much up like the conversations that Randy and I have <laughs> yeah. with each other yeah. yes yeah. yes that's a typical right Thursday night this totally. is what I imagine yeah. if you guys I'm like Randy so let's talk about your bikini wax <laughs> so yeah, but you're right we don't I don't ever talk about finances with I'm that girl I'm happy to cut I'll just invite myself to your guys next dinner but let's like, have dinner okay. Nicole that's yeah. it yeah. I will I'll friend. say like you know what's what are you making this year what's in your bank account or what is your like baby daddy maker I don't know have you guys talked about it not because like I'm judging but because I care and then it's crickets it is full on crickets I'm like girl you just told me about your landing strip and like this is crickets right and it's it's true it's the most taboo thing left in society like we will talk about everything before we talk about money in relationships with our friends at work everywhere that's why yeah. i have a job <laughs> I love that yes wait that's so interesting i wonder why it's like that why there's such a stigma like yeah don't ask anyone what they're making and don't ask you know like even on dancing with the stars for example no one tells each other and i wish they did because we could all band together and everyone could get the maximum amount of money but there are people that are on a third or a quarter of what some other people are on right and that's time spent and whatever there's a system to it but no one will talk about how much their paycheck is because it's just considered like either rude to ask or bragging if you have more or embarrassing if you have less there's just such there's so many layers to it but interestingly enough, if everyone came together and was like, I feel like it should be equal, do you know what I mean? They'd have a real ground to stand on and power behind that. 
but it's too, but the shame or the embarrassment is way more powerful than the the desire for more or the fear. Yeah. 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 The The fear, fear. because if I tell you what I'm getting and it's more or less then I've started shit and now I could be in trouble, you know, am I out of a job? So it's such an interesting thing. Why don't we talk about money more openly? Well, I mean, it's the stuff that we layer on top of it, right? Like it's the associations that we have like with worth and what does that say about us or you know all of these other fears i think we suffer more in imagination than in reality that's like another nicolism so um, stoicism philosophy um but especially when it comes to money and so i say whenever we're having hard conversations somebody has to go first so in my books i also talk about how much i made like at different networks i was at how much i made as an advance for the book because i was like if someone's reading and this bitch is saying talk about how much you make and i'm not doing it then like who am i i put my money where my mouth is literally and i because you know what somebody has to go first with any hard thing like i think fertility might and mental health might kind of still be taboo in society beyond money but when somebody opens up about it first like it kind of gives other people license to do the same thing so if you mm-hmm. want to talk about money or if you want to talk about your dancing with the stars salary maybe go first oh i just got anxiety thinking about being first. <laughs> it just like started to rise like no not me i didn't make we're it. all gonna get naked you go first <laughs> Right? Everyone That's get totally. naked. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> this was amazing. Nicole. Amazing. Nicole. Thank you so much for being here today. Come back on Thursday and Nicole is actually going to be answering all of the questions that you all sent in and more. Thanks, guys. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yes, you guys are amazing. Make sure you guys go and follow us on Instagram at at oldishpod. And you can also go and leave us a message at our own hotline, which is 855-OLDISH-3. Make sure and write us a review. Leave us five stars if you loved it. Leave us five stars if you didn't. We love five stars. We love five stars. We like five stars. Yeah. See you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. See you next week, everyone. Hello! Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.